I mean, what is soul? Allora, adesso te lo dico io. Cos'è soul? Non importa come lo fai. Più alto possibile, meglio è. Pensavi di saperlo tutto. Nel suono giù nell'Atlantico. Col miglior ritmo su questo pianeta. Canta se vuoi, non ti sbaglierai. Accendi questa bomba. Hello and welcome to Plague Tapes 53 with your host Dr. Groove and it's coming to you on a most miserable day, a Tuesday, a wet and sodden Tuesday in July and there is some carpentry going on, you'd be excited to know. So there is a distinct possibility that at some stage you will hear the sound of an electric saw during any one of my introductions to Plague Tapes 53 which is going to feature rain well you won't be surprised but the rain is definitely uh, getting to me a little bit and it's been pretty constant now it was pretty bad over the weekend and it's still going on so uh, Plague Tapes 53 is going to have songs about rain, it's also going to have some news with Andrew coming up later on, we'll be looking at uh, just exactly how this new government is doing and what we're dealing, how we're dealing with uh, the relaxation of phase 3 before we go into phase 4, we'll be talking about all the things, you know the usual things, pubs that aren't really being restaurants and you know dame lane and all the other things all the things that we have to look forward to and get worried about and the app as well so what else was i going to say to you oh yeah well this is a tune that will probably immediately bring you back in time it definitely did the same for me and i think my main theme with the music this week is we're going to have in this show we're going to try and see if it can actually heal you transport you take you to a different place so even though this is a song about the rain um, it immediately transports me back to uh, a younger version of myself and we're going to finish it with a song that actually came out the entire set is going to culminate with three pieces of music and I'm going to ask you just to stop everything and listen to them 
don't do anything else get yourself into a comfortable spot and then see uh, where the music will transport you and that's what we're going to plan to do so this initially is uh, listen I'll let it play and then I'll talk to you about it afterwards okay welcome to Plague Tapes 53 with your host Dr. Groove on Radioactive International now for that tune Thank you. 
Get her in here. 
the people say have to work Just watch me now And there's even some evil mothers Well, they're gonna tell you that everything is just dirt You know that women never really faint And that villains always blink their eyes Ooh. And that, you know, children are the only ones who blush And that life is just to die But anyone with a hand or heart Oh, it would do heartbreaking Anyone with a hand or heart Oh, it would turn around and hate Sweet Jane Oh, 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 
Okay, so we started off with Tina Turner from, I think, 1980. Oh, I think it was 82 or 83. And that was I Can't Stand the Rain, originally done by Anne Peebles, but that was a kind of an extended mix. It's got a bit more of the bass. So, anyway, I liked it. I liked it a lot. And that just brings me back to a much younger time and then I thought we followed that up with some amazing rock and roll and that's exactly what we did we followed it up with one of the first albums I remember getting which was uh, The Velvet Underground that one where Loaded isn't it Loaded and it's where Lou has basically he's drafted in some other people I think a lot of people have left the band but he's still doing beautiful versions. I remember he used to sing that. In fact, I was singing it when I was just playing it there, hearing it play. Me, I'm in a rock and roll band. I used to speak with an American New York accent back then in that drawl. I mean, if Lou Reed can sing, then all of us could sing. That's the way I looked at it. Um, and then we followed that up with more nostalgia. Angelo Bal. Balbametti, I think it's the correct way of saying it, but we would all know it as Laura's theme from Twin Peaks. And then we had Otecker with Drain, which was from a Peel session. I used to play sets. I remember distinctly opening up a set by playing Otecker, that track. And I think people were just looking at me going like, what? are you talking about like I mean how do you dance to that what exactly what part of this is a party tune and the answer was not a lot Um, I really don't know what I was thinking but uh, I really liked it and uh, I hope you enjoyed it okay we're going to go on with more tunes that is appropriate for a uh, wet day I'm hoping that when you get to hear this maybe it won't be a wet day but I have uh, expectations that this is going to continue so if it goes out any time today it's more than likely going to be raining wherever you are uh, let's do a little bit of contemplation shall we
to snow I know Billy you've got to have some dough keeps on raining look how it's raining daddy he can't make no time beautiful some people say but I'd rather see it in a fine movie play keeps on raining look how it's raining your daddy he can't make no time no
Yes, so that was Donald Fagan with The Nightfly. And you're going to find yourself singing that. Till the sun comes through the skyline. That's definitely happens to me. Uh, and there's something about that album, The Nightfly, where there's, it's a period of, I don't know, it sees through. There's an area, an element of cynicism it's kind of like the Reagan years of starting to fade. Um, it really captures the moment. And yeah, I think that Donald just wanted to escape and become a jazz radio DJ and disappear from the life after himself and Walter had taken all the substances. But uh, that wasn't to happen. But he did make a good album anyway. He made a good album in the in the makings of that. So that was Donald Fagan. Before that, we heard the amazing Billie Holiday with "Keeps On a Raining," where she likes to have rain, but only in a film or a play. I'm kind of the same. I have had enough of it now, to be honest. Um, that rain theme keeps going. Then we had Roots Maneuver with "Highest Grade Dub." which is a dub album from the Witness, the Fitness, that album. Um, so yeah, I found that and I'm really happy I played that. Then we had Duke Ellington with Mood Indigo. And before that, I think we started with Contemplating Jazz. So I thought I'd play jazz immediately after playing Attica Blues with Contemplating Jazz. So that's where we've got to with Plague Tapes 53 we've reached the section of the show where I'm just going to play three tracks in a row I think the total time is something approaching let me see we're at 55 now so I think it's like 20 minutes of music uh, four and then four yeah yeah probably yeah so what I'm trying to do here is, as it's public service broadcasting and it's about trying to uh, music as healing, what I encourage you to do is just take the next 20 minutes out of your life, no matter how busy you are, uh, sit comfortably or lie down and listen to the next three tracks in your headphones or whatever way you want to. I usually generally listen to music quite loudly and... Uh, then see where that takes you or transports you um, the last track is what is a single and it's on vinyl and it came out in the same year that I was born so you'll get an idea of that and I recently had my birthday my birthday um, so I thought that was quite a nice way to finish this rainy day set then after that we're going to have music no we're not going to have music we're going to have news with Andrew and then we're going to finish with a tune by Ennio Morricone and I'll tell you about that later okay so give yourself the present of 20 minutes just listening to the following music we start off with Ruichi Sakamoto and after all
I am a lineman for the county And I drive the main road Searching in the sun for another overload I hear you singing in the wire I can hear you through the wine And the Wichita lineman Is still on the line I know I need a small vacation But it don't look like rain And if it snows that stretch down south Won't ever stand the strain And I need you more than won't you And I want you for all time And the Wichita lineman Still on the
welcome to the new section of Plague Tapes 53 on a very gloomy, rain-filled Tuesday. Is that right, Andrew? That's correct. Okay, good. Well, at least we've placed ourselves within the, the ambit of time. That's always a good start. Um, so, yes, so where we phase three... The Wednesday following the Tuesday, the Tuesday following the yeah exactly the Tuesday following the preceding Monday, we've got a regime change, new government, we've got an app, we've got lots of things. What's the what's the figures looking like? Let's get to the, um, the starting point. A new low point. Is there a low point? Have we reached a new low we, in we, cases. We actually had a new low. Uh, a few days back, yeah, uh, when we had three, uh, which was I think maybe last Friday. Okay. Uh, three cases, as in three new cases on one day. Yeah. Um. Oh, maybe was that it's Friday was three, Saturday was five, Tuesday was oh, sorry, Sunday was nine, I think, uh, and then it was eighteen on Monday, which was a little bit alarming because it was a leap upwards. Uh, and also you'll notice that those were actually going up, uh, but then it was four yesterday. Uh, and both Sunday and Monday had no deaths reported. So that was the first two days in a row with no deaths reported since, I don't know, sometime in March, I'd say. Um, we had two days of zero deaths. So two days of, of zero deaths being reported, I mean, right, okay. as yeah. usual, it, the deaths seldom happen on the days to actually report it. And, 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 and weird things happening, particularly over the weekend. Not weird, but just that reporting is slower. Yeah. Um, so they're, they're all they're, they're all reasonable numbers. I mean, if you're going to the problem is with the numbers this low, um, yeah. every cluster is going to be a jump up in numbers. You know, like I if presume you, that's what the eighteen was. It's well, 18. I, we don't know yet. Don't know it, yet. It, it yeah. normally, un, unless there's some sort of media leak, leak, it normally only becomes clear a couple of days later when they upload uh, the the county. Uh, the cases by county ah, that always okay, lags right, a couple yeah. of days behind the live case uh, and then when you you look might see that that day with the 18 Mike's reported that 14, 14 of them were, were somewhere were yeah. sligo or, yeah. or whatever else you know yeah. um so we don't know yet if that's a cluster uh and yes i mean you but what you're pointing out there's right what we w are looking for is that if there's a jump in numbers that that jump is due to a single cluster and not because you suddenly got 18 cases in 18 different counties that would be much more alarming basically um and of course we're in the in the, this kind of alarming period anyway where spain has imposed lockdowns in two regions in the last couple of days and the entire city of melbourne has gone into lockdown a couple of days after they locked down two uh sorry five tower blocks there uh, and of course leicester in england has also been put back into a lockdown um and of course, there's a complete disaster that's unrolling in Arizona, Texas, and Florida, and also increasingly California at the moment. Uh, so there's is that north or south or both? Which California? California. I think it's mostly the the, the southern and inland regions. Like yeah. the Bay Area is not getting hit hard yet, but it's uh, they, they're worrying. They're, they're worrying numbers. Yeah. So basically, I mean, we're definitely seeing in a number of places around the world uh, what could be called a second surge um, of cases coming back. Uh, the Spain ones for us in Ireland are probably particularly worrying. It's also happened in Portugal, actually, that, that they're seeing a bit of an uptick in cases because people have gone on holidays there. Now, probably not a huge amount of people yet. Yeah. Uh, 
but with Britain allowing people to travel again, I don't know how many countries are letting people in, uh, and, and uh, people travelling out of Sweden, which are both high-incidence countries, what you have is the potential problem where they go to a resort in Spain, uh, either they're in a bar or the restaurant with people who are from Ireland, or they infect the staff, and then people from Ireland are there the next day. Those people get infected, and then they come back to Ireland with the infection, but they don't realise it. Uh, and then that you know so you start to get clusters like that and in particular you you put there's probably some danger although it's it's really uncertain yet uh that people are infectious on the plane yeah and it's a plane full of people Charles, you could oh, have yeah. 30 people who are then all going to different parts of the country so now but hold on i'm a bit confused because i distinctly heard our new taoiseach mm. who sounds rem remarkably like uh, going back in time because it sounds very much like I think I've come across him before Michal Martin saying something about travel has been continues to be restricted so therefore if people shouldn't be on holidays or how can you be on holidays if you're supposed to have restricted travel so we're in this uh, w w travel isn't restricted it's recommended against right recommend oh i that's, love the recommendations so that's essentially that that's where we are so in fact there's nothing really stopping somebody either leaving the country or arriving into the country from, from anywhere right. right it's just recommended against leaving or you're told if you come in you're expected to quarantine uh, and the quarantine thing is so you have to fill out a form um, and included on the details of that form is where you're going to quarantine for the 14 days, right? Now, there's no legal requirements for you then to quarantine. However, there are penalties for lying, for giving inaccurate information on the form. So really, the only uh, enforcement mechanism is if you're then discovered not to be where you've quarantined, you can then get done for having inaccurate information on the form. And I think that there's a fairly substantial fine with that. I'm not aware of any actual enforcement of it. Uh, and, and as we talked about in the show previously, the Department of Justice says it didn't have the staff to check up on it anymore because they had to do the rest of the usual border control stuff. Um, yeah. So they, they had a press conference yesterday at which they, they, they're they kind of they're, they're, they're fudging a lot of stuff. But basically what they're saying is they're going to... Uh, take on a, a call centre which is going to do the, the phone checks mm. um, right and the in a classic neoliberal move we're going to contract it it's going to be contracted out yeah. uh, and the other thing they're going to do is the the form will no longer be a paper form it will be an electronic form and it will be hooked into the airline's um, booking card systems uh, so in other words like the paper form, the thing was like that. There's lots of incidents where people are landing at the airport or coming into one of the ports and saying there was nobody there giving out a form, so therefore they obviously wouldn't be able to fill it in. It's probably the case that it was probably easy enough to just walk around the people handing out the forms at the airport, uh, particularly when it was, when it was getting busier. Um, so that's what the setup is at the moment. It it's obviously not great. Uh, because it's really what what they're hoping to do is to discourage people from going, um, and it, it doesn't matter if some people go. If you discourage enough people, well, then the amount of new cases coming into the country when those people can return can be dealt with. Um, there's also I mean there's persistent rumours of American tourists being sighted around the country. Now, it's very hard to know if again that's people seeing one, two, or three American tourists, or it's a sizable number coming in possibly through Belfast. Um, but it, it, it's very dependent on on some sort of trust system that just doesn't seem to be particularly there. Um, 
and at the moment the I mean we had four thousand people arrived at the airport yesterday, uh, which is a, a tiny fraction of what would normally turn up, but is considerably more than at any period previously. Uh, and I did some calculations based on the border testing that they were doing in New Zealand, Iceland, and um, where was the other one? New Zealand, Iceland, Korea. Sorry, I don't Korea. think it was Korea. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter for the for the moment. But basically, it it was uh, it was three countries that were doing you know systematic testing of everybody who arrived, and they were finding between about one between about one and a half cases per thousand people and and uh, one case per two thousand people right um which given any sort of mass tourism into Ireland, very quickly turns into 50 people arriving a day uh, which is what happened to us in march basically if you if you look at uh uh our cases in march at the the, the, the the couple of days where it really took off we were getting 50 60 70 tra travel related cases a day yeah. That's people returning from skiing holidays and the like. So that's that's where we are at the moment. So it's it, it's on one hand, we're doing quite well in terms of number of cases yeah. because it's low and the higher numbers do seem to be single clusters, which is what you want to be seeing. Um, but on the other hand, you're, you're getting this dangerous resumption of travel initially at a low level, uh, but that is... is, is escalating and that there isn't really any plan whatsoever and i think the 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 lack of a plan is illustrated by when they did this michael martin and um donnelly did this press Steve conference donnelly, yesterday yeah. some journalists said well you know i've heard stories at the airport of uh, uh english uh he didn't say stag parties i think but it sounded like what he was talking about people coming over and, and they yeah. have a they've a return ticket for five days time yeah. So he said, so they're very obviously not going to quarantine for 14 days if they've returned ticket for five days. Presumably yeah. they're not going to quarantine at all. Yeah. You know, what mechanisms do you have to, are you going to turn that, that sort of group back or what the story is? And Michal Martin just dodged us. He, he just started talking about essential workers and how they needed to, how essential workers would need to be coming into the country, and, which is true, but was not the question he was asked for at all. And so clearly that was a question he was completely unprepared to answer like he just didn't have an answer mustn't have even been discussed so uh the, the impression you have is that they they don't know what they're doing at all uh, which is not a good signal to send because there's a lot of angry people here who either i mean we've about 130,000 people working in living in ireland who are from other countries like poland for instance will be one with us a lot of people from uh, and england of course yeah. as well uh, and a lot of them are understandably anxious to go home and see family yeah. And so they're angry because they're seeing what looks like American tourists and English tourists and all this coming in, but they're being told they can't go home. Um, and on the other hand, you've got uh, other people who book, say, a holiday in Spain or in Italy and maybe spent 2,000, 3,000 euro and stuff, uh, and there's no potential for them to get a refund. Uh, so they're sort of going, well, what, you're just asking me to sacrifice three grand, but you're, you know, allowing american tourists into the country and it's kind of like my impression is there's not very many american tourists coming in but the very weak messaging from the government around the whole thing and the confusion and the not appearing to answers uh, is eroding i think people's willingness to go okay i'm going to take a hit on this i'm going to uh, take a sacrifice now i noticed one of the things they did today was they the school principals saying they were federation that uh, uh, saying they were concerned that 
people taking holidays in Spain was going to mean that the schools wouldn't be able to open in September, uh, which is actually, I mean, that, that's a legitimate concern because if we get a mass outbreak here again, we're looking at another lockdown and it's very unlikely we'd be able to open schools. And it's obviously a moral pressure that they're trying to apply on people yeah. not to go away. But that's, you know, that sort of moral pressure, it, it's, it's a bit of a... It's a bit of a mess, to put it mildly, and it's the sort of thing that I mean, you're relying on, on large-scale public compliance. It might necessarily take much to break that. Uh, it, it, you know, certainly in the case if it's if it's visibly obvious that we're getting thousands of of tourists coming in from high incidence of areas like Sweden, England, or America, uh, you could see people going stuff this. There's not much risk of me going to Spain. Which they'd be wrong, because of course, if you went to Spain in the last couple of weeks, you might be in one of those two areas they've locked down. Yeah. Uh, so that the risk is there. But that's yeah. So that that's where we are at the moment. Um, and of course, the other thing that's happened is they opened up the pubs as restaurants. That's a week ago now, uh, and the weekend was a fair bit of bedlam, as you might expect, with that hitting the first weekend. At least they've been smart enough to initially do it on a Monday. Uh, and there's a fair bit of panic around the fact that it's it's quite obvious that a number of pubs. Uh, particularly in the cities, are just blatantly ignoring the uh, public health guidance and just cramming in as many people as they can to sell as many pints as they can. Yeah. Uh, and there's no, again, there's no real enforcement power in terms of what can be done about that because the public health guidance is, as the word suggests, guidance. It's not a law. Um, the only thing the cops can do is go in and give out to them. But I, I noticed that they, they were saying yesterday that there were a load of pubs just did they were not paying any attention to being given out to. Uh, so they've sort of been making noises about objecting to the licenses in September being renewed, which is a threat that may or not may not may or may not be empty, but it's not very effective in terms of getting the rest of them to behave Why? because they're yeah. going, well, I don't know if they're going to do that or not. Um, and presumably the pubs that are just openly ignoring guidelines are just trying to loot as much money as possible out of it. Um. Let me ask you this then. Does it all sound remarkably like, uh, you know, we've had this new government comes to the fore and both the people that you were talking about are from Fianna Fáil and we remember, I mean, I'm old enough to remember, like touch regulation and uh, the Galway tent being the place where things got decided mm. in terms of at the races. Does it all feel remarkably similar to that and uh, this inability to actually deal with things on a basis? It also seems to me that there's another aspect to it, which is that the arch populists that they are, they won't actually make any hard decision that affects either A, their business community, the Republicans, which is a, a distinctive base, a power base for them. Um, so what they resort to is they resort to um, putting the back. There's some sort of moral compunction that they put on people. Like, for instance, you gave the example of the school teachers, right? So they have the school teachers that come out and issue this warning. So basically saying to people, please don't go on your holidays. Um, and they did something else. Oh, yes, Michal Martin was also saying that... Uh, he said that if people flout the law in relation to the physical distance and guidelines in pubs, that he may not be able to open up all the pubs as intended on the 20th of July. So again, it's this sort of, you need to behave yourselves. It's almost like a, a school principal approach, uh, which 
I don't think people appreciate in the context of a pandemic where you need much more stronger sort of like especially since we've been talking on the show about putting the quarantining on a much more statutory footing or at least on some sort of basis in which like people can actually adhere to it this sure it's grand keep going uh, is difficult it's very hard to have trust in a, in a party like that to yeah. be honest there are a couple of layers to this right yeah. um which i think it and i think it's important to think about it in this term right uh so one of the things um like it's funny because you're seeing ireland has now been cited as a, as a internationally as an example of a country to follow a country that's actually got it to work Right, and I saw an interesting graph that had six countries that were like the ones you'd expect, like New Zealand and all that, uh, and then us as well. And it was it was just a graph of like cases, you know, going up and then coming back down again. Yeah. I think it was maybe the Washington Post that did it or something. And and the striking thing about that graph was that all the other countries they had on it had much much smaller total numbers of cases than we did. Right, our peak went shooting way 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 higher than everybody else, and then came right back down again okay. uh, and interestingly enough over about the same time period right now the point i'm making with that is that the i mean the achievement here was really that the public collectively uh, took on the whole thing very seriously most people uh, 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 followed whatever the public health guidelines were being taken and although we got hit remarkably hard and very quickly we also managed to actually really suppress it down to almost nothing. And to the most part, that was done without um, without enforcement, right? Uh, I mean, during the lockdown, there was the whole thing that you only allowed to go two kilometres and all that, all that sort of stuff. But the enforcement around it was relatively light for most people. Yeah. Um, you know, like I mean, you had the guards harassing marginal communities and stuff. I'm not, I'm not saying that didn't happen, but I'm just saying, in comparison with say Italy or Spain or other countries where no they martial law was declared. there was no martial law, there was no there was nothing. Yeah, you can't leave your car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there was there was all that all that happens, and I think if if you look at managing uh, infectious diseases in other countries. Uh, and also uh, uh, HIV AIDS in particular, the history of managing that. There is a fair evidential base that public compliance, uh, voluntary compliance is far, far, far more effective than draconian action. Because most draconian actions you can, if you don't agree with it, you can avoid it, you know? Like it's, yeah. uh, if, if, if you wanna have a house party, you can have a house party. It's not like the cops can be in everybody's house. And particularly in this country where the, the enforcement arm is, is relatively small um so so the, there's that which i think is a, is a, is a a positive story and i can see why if you have that working and certainly in terms of the way nefert talks it's always it's always about you know convincing the public to do it rather than finding ways to force people to do it that's been their emphasis right from the start yeah uh, and and the evidence is that that's far more successful right as a method However, I think the problem we're hitting now is that, and it's that light touch regulation problem we talk about. I think it's one thing to do that in terms of convincing the public where really there's not much to be gained from, from breaking the public health guidance. You're putting yourself at risk. You're not really making anything financially out of doing so, or it's quite limited what you would. 
But the same isn't true of somebody who owns a really big city centre pub, right? I mean, particularly because that person's almost certainly not actually working in that pub. They're probably employing a load of people and close to the minimum wage yeah. and somebody to manage it, right? Uh, and they're looking at a situation where if they cram people in and they sell points to people to drink on the street, that they can probably on a good weekend be making 100,000 or 200,000, you know, like you have very sizable amounts of money. Uh, and if, you know, they can say, well, if I do that all summer, I can make three million. So what, you know, if they shut me down, should I just sell the license on to somebody else? Um, and likewise with the airlines, I mean, you know, you've got Michael O'Leary literally going on radio to do everything he can to undermine the public health guidance and tell people they should go on holidays and the government's being ridiculous. I mean, you know, just completely disgraceful stuff going on from that point of view. Uh, and you've even got Aer Lingus, like, you know, pushing sun holiday ads on people and stuff like that. And the reason they're doing that again is because they stand to make vast amounts of money out of it. And, you know, I, I'm sure uh, Michael O'Leary's probably, you know, not... Uh, not putting himself in a high-risk situation. He's not the one loading people onto planes around the rest. He's just getting the money out of it. Um, so I don't think th th this particular... I don't, I don't think this methodology of convincing, in other words, works when you're dealing with multi-millionaire bar owners or people who own airlines or whatever. Uh, because it, it's, it, the workers don't have any choice in this. That's what you have to do in order to get paid. Uh, and they're not actually going to be at risk. So they have a lot to gain from not following guidance and from encouraging people to actually break guidance, which is what they've been doing. Um, uh, they've, uh, they've a lot to gain from that and they've relatively little to lose because you can be sure they're isolating uh, themselves away. So it does seem that you that the approach to them has to be much more of an enforcement approach. You know, yeah. So like with the pubs, for instance, it, it strikes me if they want to get the pubs to behave themselves, the thing would be to shut down some of them completely just say, right, that's it, you're shut down, or you're shut down for at least a month or whatever. You know, you're not opening back up again for a very long period of time. Uh, and then you'd probably get pretty good compliance in an awful lot of the rest of them because then your choice is between being able to make 30,000 a day from following the guidelines or nothing rather than making 100 grand from breaking them and not really uh, thinking there's going to be any repercussions. Okay, but now the, the, there's a thing here whereby... Uh, are we just being massively naive? I mean, is it always was it always inevitable that as soon as Neffet do all of the the stuff that they had to do and they pass it over to a government and this government was forming so therefore it was in that it wasn't really you know it was an interim government mm. didn't really count. Now we have the the right wing alliance of Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael, neither of whom have any real history of tackling enforcement in any sphere when you think about it like you've had the financial crisis you had nobody going to jail you've had like we've had a continuous cycle of people being let do what they want so are we just being totally naive and thinking that because I think what the problem well, is here is, is that if there's no enforcement mm. what happens is there's a massive and rapid erosion of the trust that you've built up. So people yeah, will just yeah. start going, oh, feck it, we're back to Wild West days, yeah. you know? And I think that's the difficulty with, like, for instance, uh, Micheál Martin fudging that question. 
Yeah. If there's going to be more fudging, you're going to have a greater erosion of trust, and then everybody's just going to do what they want. Well, I, I, I mean, I'd start off by saying we've been predicting this problem for at least a month. I was, uh, <laughs> I was listening to, uh, I, I, I'm, I'm uploading sets of five of the shows at a time to my Mixcloud account. Uh, and I was listening to the ones for literally a month ago, May, May May 8th, that sort of period. And we're talking about the lobbying that's going on at that point for the pubs to be allowed to open oh, yeah. early and what the likely consequences are of that. And it's, I mean, it's basically, it's exactly as we thought it, it would be. Uh, so, yes, that, that's, com that's completely true. It's, it, that it, it itself isn't surprising. However, uh, there is a, there's a, sh a short term stupidity to this, right, that I think even the right-wing parties have to be able to see, uh, which is that this is a very infectious disease. We saw uh, the, Look what's the case in, in Sligo. Well, even though we don't even have yeah. to go there, that case in Sligo where yeah. where one person in many infected 14 in a family situation. There's a case up in the border counties we don't know as much about, but it's what, you know, one person seems to have infected 20. That You know, it, we know it's every bit as infectious as it was a couple of months ago from those sort of examples. Uh, at the moment, we've been a, a very low incidence rate. It's about 2.96 per 100,000 people in the country, right? So that kind of means that it's possible that there will be no repercussions from the pubs being crowded, right? That it would just happen to be that there was nobody infectious in the pub, in the pub at that particular time. Or it might be we'll get a couple of big clusters of 60 or 70 people because we weren't lucky. You know, and there's also probably some sort of dice roll where we're quite unlucky and we get 10 of those, in which case we're in a huge amount of trouble. Uh, we'll know that in about eight more days. Um, but uh, you can do that gamble once and get away with it, right? You can't do it re repeatedly because there will also be incidences of individual transmission there. And as, as our, 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 our three person per 100,000 rises to six people per 100,000 and then to 12, well, then you start to get the clusters. And that happens quite fast. We, we've seen this pattern in March. We saw how quickly the numbers went up. People will be more careful, so they'll go up slower. Uh, we can also see what's happening in Florida and Texas at the moment. Uh, but what that means, really, within a few weeks, you get back to the situation of having a mass outbreak. And once you have a mass outbreak, then you have to... Miami, by the way, has just closed pubs and restaurants today. Uh, uh, it, that's happened across most of the rest of Florida. It's been happening in California. It's been happening in Texas. Obviously, it's happened in, in Melbourne. Uh, Leicester, did, never, the pubs never got to open in the first place. In other words, you get your two or three weeks of making money out of the pubs, but then you've absolutely no choice but to close them again because yeah. the infection runs out of control and you're shut for six weeks. You don't make extra money that way. Uh, what you're getting is the owners of the super pubs are taking a gamble that they'll be doing the damage. Most of the other pubs will be respecting it, so they won't be doing the damage. So there will be cluster outbreaks and then public health will take the cost, both in human lives of dealing with those outbreaks, but also the actual cost in terms of uh, uh, tracking and tracing and closing down those. Like, it's a completely cynical... I'm going to do this. I'm going to make half a million out of it. Everybody else is going to cover the cost for this. You know, it's a bit like pollution. Actually, but you like the, the, the UK is a really good example in terms of Leicester because I was reading about that. So effectively, it was the garment industry in Leicester where the, most of the spreading took place. And that garment industry is linked to Boohoo, which is an online, like people will know it from lots of ads. And they made record profits in April and May because they were very quick to get into loungewear when people went into oh, lockdown. Yeah, yeah. So they were being held as an example 
uh, in the business page itself, like, oh, look, this mm. is an industry that's really good in terms of like switching fast and dealing with the market and everything else. And what we didn't know at that time was, is that workers were being forced to go in with COVID-like symptoms mm. into the garment industry. And that's why you've got Leicester shut down. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty much exactly same. what happened in the meat plants here. Yeah, I mean, yeah the same yeah. thing is going to happen. Yeah. And the, the daily cases in America now are back over 50,000, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that was the, I mean, that was Trump's, he was... What didn't want to shut down in the first place, but then didn't really shut it down. Half arsed, and now they're back at crisis levels again. And my general impression is there's a lot of countries that looked okay two to three weeks ago that aren't looking okay at the moment. Oh, we did. Uh, that that yeah. it, 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 so, there was a period where it looked like the relaxation measures that were happening ahead of us across Europe were not having outcomes that were negative. Uh, and I don't think that's as true as it was then. It actually looks like that places are losing. They're starting to lose control of it again. Um, so, yeah, that, I mean, so that, that's, that's the, the other thing you, you said before, which is that it's been affecting a kind of younger cohort of the yes, population, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's just taken longer to go through. Um, there was another thing that was mentioned in the that I wanted to ask you about, which was that Stephen Donnelly mentioned the uh, rate of infection through travel cases was 17%, I think, in yeah. the. So that's a significant increase, I think. On I presume on it's been must have been really low. Well, it was zero for was for zero. weeks. Yeah, it was because zero like because there was very little travel. Nobody was coming, uh, and then it's picked up again. I mean, so if you go right back to March when all this is starting, yeah. well, then initially, hundred percent of our cases are, are travel related. I, you know, for the yeah, first course, few days, yeah. as, so you, as you might imagine, gets here. and then yeah. travel travel goes down. Uh, you know, all travel stops, so it goes pretty much to zero. Uh, and then it reemerges over the last three weeks, and uh, you know each week is probably if you looked at just the number of travel-related cases, it's doubling or travelling each week in proportion with with numbers of people arriving back in. In doesn't work. All right, so Andrew, let's talk about the app because that's been that was launched yesterday, wasn't it? Uh, yes, uh, it was actually well, it was it was quietly made available last night, officially launched this morning, and about. 400 and close on close on half a million people have now re uh, installed and registered it. Uh, I've just logged in there to have a quick look. So it does a rapid That's a very large uptake. uptake. I'm rapid, surprised. Rapid uptake. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. That's actually quite impressive. Now, uh, people have talked about a figure of 60% in order for it to be effective. I'm not actually sure that's quite true that it needs to be that high. But it's still, it, it's quite good that it's already at... Uh, Half a million. At half a million, uh, uh, roundabout. Uh, and that would suggest it'll, it'll probably it'll definitely be heading up for 40-50%. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this over a few episodes. Yeah. Uh, initially, I think we were very optimistic that the app would be almost a magic solution to it's contact It's not a silver bullet. Itself. We definitely know yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, and then... Uh, became aware of the technical challenges that mean it can't be that. Uh, there was all there was the initially they seemed to be doing a bad version of the app that was going to keep too much data on people, but then they reverse course and they actually produced something that's that's pretty good. Like it, it's good in terms of protection of, of sorry uh, uh, privacy uh, safeguards and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Uh, you know I'm I'm happy enough with it uh, from that point of view. Um, and it's basically. It, yeah, I mean, I think the thing to think about it that is going to be useful for it is anybody who's going to be on public transport, uh, anybody who is going to be in a space that 
might be crowded for a period of time. So it might be a restaurant, it might be a bar. Supermarket doing your shopping. I'll get onto that in a, mo a moment. Okay. Uh, and so you can imagine if you're in a bar, say, and you're sitting at a table with some friends, right? And then there's other people sitting behind you and there's other people off to your side. Well, if one of your friends comes down with COVID, then you're easy to, easy to contact trace because your friend will say, well, I was with John and I was yeah. with Mary, and then they can uh, you know, contact each of those people and tell them to get tested. However, if the people sitting just behind you, if one of them gets in, in, infected, well, they, they're not going to know who was sitting on the other side. And they, I mean, the restaurants and pubs are meant to be collecting uh, the chief contact for each group. No evidence but, of that. But you can imagine, yeah, you can imagine situations where the paperwork will get lost, the number won't have been taken down correctly, you know, lots of things like that where it doesn't happen. So that the, the use of the contact tracing app in, in that sort of circumstance or on a bus or a train is that it will have an idea who else was around you in, in a, for a 15 minute period and so you'll get notifications to be tested, triggered on that basis that in some cases would either not have happened otherwise or might have only happened after a long period of time because it would have been quite a complex thing to try and trace. Um, it, not, so much, not so much use for shopping because it, unless you do your shopping in a very weird way, you're n not close to the same people for 15 minutes, which is what the test Ah, thing okay, is so you need to be yeah. you need to be the app needs to think you're within two meters of somebody for over 15 minutes to register you as a contact uh basically so i mean you're unlikely to do that wandering around the shopping center maybe in the queue trying to get in yeah uh, it, 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 it's possible but uh you should be socially distancing that's true and that, you could be socially distancing on the in the queue yeah then again that yeah. hasn't but, been my experience a lot of anecdotal evidence to say there's been no there was no contact tracing when i went into a pub and there was no, and there was oh, no. Oh, that's true. You, did, you went somewhere and they didn't. So I mean, you well, we walked in and then we walked out. I mean, yeah. maybe the like in fairness, maybe I'm maybe once you ordered, they'd have got yeah, the details. They might have. Yeah, yeah. They might have got some details at that stage. Yeah. I was just encouraged. Oh, but, uh, yeah, but there's certainly there's certainly anecdotal evidence that a lot that we, we did go to we did do, go to a cafe. We sat outside yeah. and there was no, there was definitely definitively nothing was taken from us in terms of. Uh, like contact details, names, anything. Right, yeah, I'm not contact sure if they're meant to do that if you're outside, but that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. So I exactly. Mean, so in think that, that there should be some in that situation, yeah. people on, on next on the table next to you get infected. There's pretty much no way uh, you can be tracked down unless you're going to do a, a Singapore detective squad approach, yeah. which is what they've been doing there. Um, so yeah, that 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 juices. Uh, and from my point of view, I mean, it doesn't even if if. You know, it may well be the case, and this has been the experience in other countries, that it hasn't resulted in a huge amount of additional contact tracing. Yeah. But actually, I mean, even if it re uh, results in a dozen people being traced to others otherwise, it's that's usually, a dozen yeah. additional people who, uh, you know, possibly would have infected other people. You know, so it, it would slow it down that way. And, and also, it, it has to help the people who are doing contact tracing. And they're going to need all the help they need, you know, in terms of... Yeah. It, it's it, got to be some help. It, it, yeah, it, it, it perhaps reduces the way slightly. And yeah. the other thing I think that it's, it's useful for... I mean, if you're somebody who does have vulnerable people in your, in your life, but isn't completely self-isolating... Well then, you appreciate, you'd appreciate that extra chance of a notification if, at some point, you've been accidentally exposed. Uh, yeah, you know. it might think make you think twice when you're going out to visit your parents. Well, exactly. Yeah, you're not, yeah, yeah, you're not going to. You know, so you're going to go. Oh, okay, maybe I'm not going to do that visit now. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, I I think it's definitely the case that they, enough has been done in terms of data privacy uh, that I think people should install it. 
Uh, and is there something about it? You you're allowed to remain anonymous or something? Like you can test positive, but they never really find out whether you it's you or not, or is there? No, no, your contacts. Some... So, it, it, but this is the way contact tracing works in 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 a general sense, as as yeah. I understand it, uh, which is you're not. You, they don't contact you and say. Oh, Jimmy was infectious at that party. They, just say, you, uh, you they say you've been, been exposed and you, and you need to isolate and get yeah. tested yeah. Uh, because they want people to come forward and obviously yeah. you're less likely to come forward if you think, oh, everybody will know I was, I was the source oh, of the yeah. infection, particularly if the reason you... So you were saying, yeah, particularly if somebody's misbehaved, anyway, contact tracing reveals, doesn't reveal who the person was. It just says you've been exposed. Yeah, that's my understanding of the way Good. it works. Okay, um, Good. So I must download it. I know you were very an early adapter. You're always an early I, adapter. I think I was the hundred and fortieth person to install it. In fact, because it gives you a little graph. And, and I know our listeners will be delighted to know that. So but, I was, but, I was a fast would, adapter. There would have been that expectation anyway. Speaking to the man with the the Google Watch and all the other stuff, or the Apple Watch. Um. So I think we're basically back to the usual thing, which is. Uh, Oh, Let's wait and see. Surge, waiting for the surge. Basically. So there's another there's another stat that is interesting to talk about in this context okay. of uh, uh, context contact tracing, which is uh, they said yesterday that 35 percent of the people who are close contacts never go forward for testing after they've been contacted. They don't take up the offer of being tested, uh, which is an interesting number. Uh, it, I was quite surprised it was that high, although there have been consistent hints that this was a bit of an issue because they were. You know, they've been consistently sort of saying if you are not contacted, that then go forward. What What do we think this is now? Do we think that this is like vulnerable, precarious workers? Well, exactly. The, that there's, would be. There's multiple reasons why it could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, it 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 could be that uh, it, it the, there's miscommunications happening in terms of language and stuff. It could be that these these are people who are worried about the state system maybe the precarious workers who aren't properly documented we don't know uh it it could be just people who think i'm not sick there's nothing wrong with me you know mm. so it could be people being in denial uh you know like the, the there's a load of uh, the, there's a load of possibilities and it's probably a little bit of a mixture of all those different things but again in that context about uh, uh enforcement versus bringing people with you it's an important data point because it's quite high. I mean, thirty-five does seem quite high to me. It does. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. I mean, Jesus. Yeah. Now you'd hope that that thirty-five percent are going. Oh well, I better just isolate for a while, or at least they're becoming very symptom aware and are cleaning their hands more or whatever. We don't actually know. It could be like in a lot of countries. Yeah, it, hopefully it's they're been... self-isolating and they're not giving it to everyone yeah. that they live with. Well, the fact which... so the problem in a lot of countries has been that. And this shouldn't be quite so much the case here because we have the COVID, COVID welfare payments, right? Mm -hmm. But in countries that didn't have systems like that, you have the problem that, I mean, if somebody's barely scraping by and they're told to have to isolate for 14 days, well, how do they make rent? How do they get food? Or what, that sort of thing. So that's definitely been... A, a, been but surely a, there's a... Is there not a mechanism whereby you can get paid like is that not part of the covid not lo thing? lots of countries it's not really you know right. like it's it's one of the issues in the states uh in particular oh yeah uh, sure, you know like things like pay for testing in yeah. the states yeah, yeah so. you know if, if you're telling people they have to isolate you kind of need to also have the economic ability for them to isolate um you know going on as well so so okay so if they but the, like okay when well, think about this let's think about this from uh a point of view of trying to address some of those concerns. Mm. So the state knows 
they're contacting 35% of people saying you should be tested and that 35% is not going forward for testing. Does the state also know who those people are? They must have some idea around whether they're, you know. Well, okay, so so, so here's a question of, of, of what is the state in this context, right? What, the, and, the people and, who are doing contact tracing? I, no, that, that's my, exactly my point, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so th- 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 there's two parts to this, right? One is the public health part, right? Yeah. And the public health part ideally should be isolated from the law and order part, yes. right? Uh, like it, it, in, in terms of how we talked about the app, it's pretty easy to understand why that's the case. You don't want the cops being able to arrest you for going outside your 20 kilometers because you've, you've had the app on you because then nobody's going to use the app, right? Yeah. Uh, but that sort of applies to contact tracing as well. You know, like if, if you're in a marginal group, right, or you're an undocumented worker or whatever the thing is, and you yeah. feel that by going forward to being tested, that means all your friends who are in those groups are going to have the guards calling around to them, you're probably not going to go forward to be tested. Exactly. Um, this is something we brought up before that said, we said where there needs to be immunity given or granted so that people know that they won't, there won't be repercussions for them if they go forward. Yeah. And that, see, that figure of 35% indicates to me that it's something that we predicted and it's something that they haven't really addressed. Well, we don't know they haven't. I mean, we don't know. We don't know the I, full makeup, but it's got to be a factor. I've seen very much larger figures in the states. Right, it's got to be a factor. Uh, I think. Uh, and so, it, 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 the problem I think with that is what do you do? Right. Yeah. I mean, one thing you could clearly do is you could go, okay, we'll send the cops around to drag people down to be tested. And that's the sort of approach that has been taken in some countries, but it's a bad approach for because it just means people aren't going to come forward at all. No, well, what will happen is that 35% will grow to 55%. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that, that is, that, that is, not approach, that is yeah. what's happened in other countries. So, so your only real opportunity, the only real thing you can do is try and persuade people that this is something they should do. Uh, and I should imagine the public, what you'd hope the public health side of things is doing. And they had to do this in the meat plants. That Remember, if you, this, they ran into this problem with one meat plant in particular where they were... They did manage to test everybody in the plant, but they were not managed. They'd only managed to test sixty percent of the people in the community, right. uh, like uh, where people were, and that was probably something to do with people being undocumented or whatever else. Mm. Uh, and the, the meat plants outbreak, you had the difficulty that you also dealing with multiple languages and cultures and everything else. So they had to, they had to, it's kind of get up to being able to deal with all that. And I think retrospectively, when you look at the meat plants, the, the obvious failure was in the belief that the HSA were doing inspections when they weren't. Right, but actually, once it became apparent it was a problem, they did quite a good job of of sorting it out quite quickly. Yeah, um, but the, we're 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 now moving away from that though. We're going back to it seems to me that we're going back to Nefid have done their piece. They're handing it mm. over to the government where it's at a very low level, and the in relation to the thirty five percent that aren't going forward, what I'm saying is is that there's definitely a piece of work that you could do to try and unearth some of the reasons and try Oh well that, no but that's what options. I'm building yeah, that's yeah, what I'm yeah. building towards and talking about the meat plants because that's obviously yeah. what they that's what they must have done in the meat plants. Yeah. Because otherwise they wouldn't in the end have managed to suppress those outbreaks. Like yeah. it's not that they went for mass arrests or whatever. Yeah. They they yeah. went for they must have gone for persuasion and they obviously managed to do that well enough that the outbreaks were suppressed. So it, it's obviously, I, I presume what may be happening in the background here is the looking at, well, why are we getting 
not as many people coming forward as we might have hoped. Yeah. What can we do about that? Is it a question of 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 language and culture, or or you know people being insecure, or fearing arrest, or or whatever, yeah, and, yeah. and and looking at how to address all that? But I mean, it is quite a stark number in again warning us that none of this is as simple as it looks yeah. you know that there are additional difficulties that get thrown up those kind of quite big consequences it's probably also the case though that i mean that 35 percent is a manageable 35 percent providing we don't have thousands of infections uh it, it it means we're breaking fewer chains of transmission but we're still probably still able to break enough to stop outbreaks spreading further um and that's probably the, the key sort of uh, thing that's happening but yeah, I mean, well, you basically come down to the, the position we're currently in while it does look quite good on paper, and is good from that point of view, there's an awful lot of things now that could go wrong and could es things could escalate quite fast and invisibly, with travel being yeah. by far the wild card in there, because travel could mean that although we think we're dealing with this problem in the case of three cases per 100,000, travel could suddenly mean it's 12 cases per 100,000. And those 12 cases being people going to pubs and restaurants and, you know, kind of do, do, engage in activities that are high risk in the sense of infecting a lot of people at once. Yeah. Uh, which is, seems to be what's happened in, in some of those other countries we've been talking about. So, uh, and we've also seemed to, we also seem to have moved to, from relative transparency i mean there was some issues around trying to get clear indications what was going on but we seem to be moving back into a little bit of fudging which is also a little bit worrying and concerns well uh, those the, the the fudging in relation to travel was always there right mm, that that yeah. was always there but for a long time it kind of didn't matter because there weren't very many flights yes. <laughs> that's yeah. what the limit was but but this was happening in relation to the the car ferries yeah, uh, because people were coming over. Sometimes groups of people yeah. uh, were coming over on the car ferries, and people were freaking out a bit about that. But it w it was a small enough number of people that if there were outbreaks related to that, I don't know if there were or there weren't. Uh, they managed. They obviously managed to oh, contain maybe. it. Some of the seventeen percent might have been car ferries. Uh, no, but I mean before so, that. Yeah. Before I mean there, there was um, but, like there was a scare about travellers coming over from England and camping yeah. on the curry. If you remember always, that. Yeah. There's yeah. always a scare every time traveller moves <laughs> in this country. <laughs> that happens scare. anyway. Yeah. But but so, you know you know so that. Yeah. But when that was very few people moving, it didn't really matter. The the, the problem we're we're getting into now is that. 4,000 on Monday across the week would be 28,000 people. Yeah. And that's a number that's increasing. So it could be 50,000, it could be 100,000. That That's where it, it, it starts to become a and lot more difficult. And then when we get to 100,000, yeah. we know, yeah, yeah. we know the so, so the problem yeah. isn't really that they're not communicating as clearly as they were. Uh, the problem is just that it's the numbers itself that have turned this from a, a kind of minor problem into potentially... But also, is, it, is there not an issue whereby... There weren't really a government. There was an interim government. They're now a government. So theoretically, they should be doing shit about this. Well, they they're, 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 like they're promising all sorts of legislation <laughs> and green lists and all that sort of stuff yeah, coming great. in. And I suspect we will see some new stuff coming in in the next yeah. couple of weeks. But well, here's a, here's a funny thing to finish with, though. Mm. The UK produced a list of countries that you could travel to. Um, which basically countries you couldn't travel to and basically they could only find three other countries that were worse than them so they said basically you can travel anywhere you like yeah, so you yeah, can't yeah. really go to the united states i don't think you can go to sweden and you can, can't go to somewhere else i'm not sure brazil 
of Brazil. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, and then yeah, yeah. they were kind of saying, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. And then they said, oh, yes, the common, what is it, the common travel policy has always existed. Yeah, you can go to Ireland, of course. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Um, but what they didn't say is they didn't tell them what other people, they didn't tell any of the UK residents what would happen if they actually do show up. Yeah. Like, in Iceland, I think you're going to get put into quarantine, aren't you, for 14 days? Yeah, so yeah, in Iceland, you have two choices. Uh, one is 14-day quarantine, and the other current choice is you get tested, then you quarantine for five days, and then they test you again. Okay. Uh, right. Iceland experimented briefly with just having a test, but they must have missed enough cases that they went, okay, that's not working, we need we need to double, te and, double test and quarantine. And in New Zealand, you get put away for 14 days, is that right? Uh, yeah. But they, they've stopped people going in now. Well, New Zealand have now said that it's not just people. The only people who are able to go to New Zealand are residents, oh, right? Okay. Uh, and they've actually said that they're stopping residents coming Rich back warning. because yeah. they've got too many people in quarantine. They can't quite deal with it. So oh, they're right. going to stop fights. Or so, uh, I'm not quite sure how they're limiting numbers, but uh, that's going on as well. Okay. So these are all good things for a great new present incumbent government to be aware of. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, all right. And meanwhile, we just wait. Yep. Or the surge. Well, well, we we kind of are. Yeah, that that's the problem. We're in the situation where it looks like things could fall apart. Yeah. Quite easily, particularly if they allow a lot of travel. Uh, like I, I think sorry, the, the, the last thing is like I think there's reasonably good evidence that the reproductive number is probably above one at this mm. stage. Yeah. At the last Neffert presser, they were estimating it at one, but that was estimating it at one for the point that the latest round of relaxations happened. So therefore, with the pubs opening Didn't take and stuff, into account, yeah. that could yeah. push it above one. The numbers themselves don't really tell us that one way or the other. But I'm confused now. Hold on, because I, I thought the pubs weren't opening. I thought it was restaurants yeah, that yeah, were yeah, opening. But, you know. but like, is it just? Is it? Just I'm not engaging apart? in that in that pretense because I yeah, well, I, so I, no, I, to be honest, I think it's quite possible that ninety percent of pubs have opened as restaurants have opened as restaurants. Right. But there's definitely at least ten percent that are not. Following the public I didn't think you could get a meal down in Dame Lane, for instance. I didn't remember ever getting a meal in any. Oh no, I do remember. Yeah, the Stags used to be able to get a meal. Yeah. But I don't, don't think Stags had his open. Okay, I don't yeah. remember any of the other serving food. Yeah. Now yeah. everyone's yeah. serving food. Yeah, it's great. Okay, nothing that wasn't immensely predictable. <laughs> uh, yeah, I suppose. Uh, so download the app, and if you're a believer, pray, and if you're not, mad. I mean, on science. so, <laughs> so I get, what we can hope for, right? Uh, there's two things we can hope for. Right, one is that more effective action is about to be taken in terms of compliance in relation to the pubs, uh -huh. right? Uh, a second thing is that more effective action is going to be taken in terms of the requirement to quarantine. Kind of hard to see how that's going to work in terms of what they're doing, but you know, what in a way it doesn't have to be. I think the useful thing to understand it doesn't have to be effective at the level of getting a hundred thousand. I'm oh, sorry, a hundred percent of people. It just has to be effective at the level of either cutting down the number of people traveling massively or getting ninety percent, and then dealing with the cases that break out as part of it. Yeah. Failing that, what we're hoping for is that as things go wrong, it will happen slowly enough that we will see it going wrong. And we'll have time to react before it gets out of hand so that we, we don't end up back in the situation of March where we're getting eight, you know, 700 cases a day or something. We end up being back at 50 to 100 cases a day and going, oh, OK, right now we need to shut stuff down again. Um, so that that's, I think, the, the three 
optimistic scenarios. The pessimistic one is we lose control of it and it's chaos. Sounds like Gramsci to me. Chaos. Pessimism of the intellect, optimism of the will. Because yeah. we're we're lo- hoping for effective action in a yeah. lot of different areas, which we I don't, haven't and, seen. And I think the, actually the, the one important thing I will end on, though, is I think if individually we continue to do all the stuff about social distancing, hand hygiene, sneeze hygiene, or wearing masks, all that sort of stuff that perhaps seems unnecessary right now because the incidence rate is quite low, that does mean that if if we're not seeing it but in fact it's now increasing it takes about 10 days before we even see it yeah. there won't be that much on, onward transmission in a group in the groups of people we know because we're still doing that yeah. so you know although the error value may go above one it won't go up to three or four basically you know like if we keep we've, it keep it to 1.5 through that yeah. well then we, we have a small problem that we can deal with not yeah. a massive problem that's a complete disaster I mean, that was um, that was exemplified before in Japan in terms of their cultural habits yeah they were a massive uh, help in getting it under control okay thanks very much for that update yes that was the sound of andrew we always get the sound of andrew getting up and walking away so that's exactly what that was next up i'm going to play as you probably know that ennio morricone passed away but he did do a song called uh, Here's to You, Nicola and Bart, or I think it's called, it might just be called Here's to You, but it's about uh, Sacco and Vanzetti. And you might be saying to yourself, Dr. Groove, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? I am talking about Nicola Sacco and Bartolomeo Vanzetti. Uh, They were two Italian immigrant anarchists who were convicted, controversially, of murdering of guard and a paymaster during an armed robbery in Braintree, Massachusetts in April the 15th, 1920. It was quite obvious that they got it because they were anarchists. And this is what Bartolomeo Vanzetti said. If it had not been for these things, I might have lived out my life talking at street corners to scorning men. I might have died unmarked, unknown, a failure. Now we are not a failure. This is our career and our triumph. Never in our full life we could have hoped to do such work for tolerance, for justice, for man's understanding of man as we now do by our accident. Our words, our lives, our pains, nothing. The taking of our lives, lives of a good shoemaker and a poor fish peddler, all that last moment belongs to us. That agony is our triumph. And Ennio Morricone made a song of it which is what you're about to hear now so so long Ennio and thank you for this here's to you Ennio and here's to you Nicola and Bart <laughs>